What's good, New Numa fam? It's me, the professor. If you've been listening to the podcast for some time, you've heard about the New Numa Godcast Live YouTube channel that was dedicated to a different mission in January 2023. What makes New Numa Godcast Live differ from the podcast here is I come from a more off-the-top perspective. It's like hearing me freestyle in a cipher versus writing a rhyme for a song. It's just different. It's raw, unfiltered, spirit-filled, and unapologetically norm. So, if you want to see me in rare form, talking about things that may pertain to all but especially men, like relationship advice, how men should approach life, how men should approach women, how to live life as a believer on your daily grind, then subscribe to the New Numa Godcast Live YouTube channel today. And hit that notification bell to get all of the updates for when new shows air. As always, it's just me being the professor, where I not only talk about things that many in the church will not touch, but I will also break down how God's word has the answer for these issues from a raw, spiritual perspective, with a bit more of that urban taste. Subscribe to New Numa Godcast Live today. See you there, fam. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Keevy, and right now you're listening to the New Numa Godcast. Stay locked and loaded. What's up, New Numa Godcast? It's your host, Norman Brown, a.k.a. The Professor, in the building once again. Today, we're going to talk about something that I feel needs to be addressed because we're in a day and age where we need to definitely know the difference between true believers and the fake ones. And the reason why we need to know this is because we're seeing a lot of things that are done under the guise of people supposedly serving Jesus Christ, but yet they're doing things that don't match up to that. And the bottom line is this. If a person is able to do things that are not representative of Jesus Christ and they have no conviction about that. They're not actually thinking, oh, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't have done it that way. Or maybe that doesn't look right um, in the sight of, you know, God or or maybe, you know, I should listen to my brothers and my sisters who are telling me what I did was wrong. It was out of line or whatever the case may be. This is under the this is under what we call accountability. So when we see people who are doing crazy things out here that don't match up to what we know to be right as believers, then we need to question that. No doubt we need to question that. I'm not going to get into any specific names of people in this podcast as far as that part is concerned. Um that's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast that I'm doing today is to literally address a question that was brought up by someone who is very famous right now. They're being um, they're in a category of a lot of controversy and things like that. However, they are on a search. They are they seem to be in a search for what's right, what's real, what's true. And it takes people who know things about God and who know things about the Lord, who have a real relationship with Jesus to address these kinds of situations. Now, the person that I'm talking about is Andrew Tate. Now, if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, Andrew Tate has been one of the foremost uh, voices in the forefront about things concerning masculinity. 
Now, whether you like what he says or not, that's not the point of this podcast. He brought up a question that sounds like a person who has obviously not been discipled, obviously has not even gone to someone who knows anything about Jesus to ask them questions about what he thinks he believes or knows. Now, according to what I've heard on um, various videos and things like that, he and his brother grew up in a Christian family. They grew up under Christian principles. Now, I'm going to say something. I am wondering how strong of a Christian background he really had. Sometimes people, they'll say they were Christian and whatnot, but that's only because they went to church. Sometimes people say they are Christian because they actually have um, parents that brought them up in the things of the Lord, and then they themselves became believers. They accepted Christ in their heart. I have gathered from what I've heard and seen of Andrew Tate, he never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All he did was go to church, maybe, when he was growing up, and that was about it. And when he got older, he became an atheist because apparently something happened, which is how it always goes with atheists. Something happened in his life that made him not believe in Jesus. Maybe he didn't get something he wanted to get. He prayed for something he didn't receive, whatever. Somebody got killed and he didn't know why and he's blaming God or whatever. I don't know what the reason was that he became an atheist because I have not come across any information like that. But what I do know is that he became an atheist, and then at some point in time, for some reason, he decided, oh, wait a minute, there has to be a God because there's all this evil in the world. If there's all this evil, there has to be something that's the extreme opposite of that, which would have to be God, which will also have to be good. So from that perspective, yeah, he kind of... He kind of woke up a little bit, so to speak. I'm going to say he actually, you know, realized something that is something all people should realize. And I find it hard to believe that people can't see something as clear as that, you know, um, just in general. Because how can you believe that there was no God when you see all these things that's created that you see in front of you? And they all are so different, all the way down to DNA, which is the very, very essence of showing you how precise, how powerful, how just so many things about God, just from that alone. He's so specific that he made your DNA different from other people, other animals, other plants, whatever. So I'm not going to go too far into that because that's not really the point of this podcast. But as you can see from the title, I said to fear or not to fear. Now, that is, uh, you know, that's kind of like a play on words or, you know, you know, if anybody knows about Shakespeare, there was to be or not to be. That is the question. That's where I got that from in that sense, okay? Um, but it was because of something that Andrew Tate asked. He didn't ask it directly, but through the things that he was saying, this is the question that's in his heart. 
the question in his heart is, if someone fears God, or if there, if a God is to be feared, how can someone get away with disrespecting him or um, bringing some type of shame to him or uh, trying to make him look horrible or bad to all people? How can they get away with that? That's essentially what the question was that Andrew Tate had in his heart. And his response to that was that he came to the conclusion that the only real religion, as he said it, that exists is Islam. And it is the only one that can be true because that's the only one where people actually fear their God. And I have to bring an immediate correction to that statement alone. Because nobody is fearing Allah. Nobody is afraid of Allah. If you ask anybody on this planet, maybe except for a Muslim, nobody else on this planet would say they fear Allah. Why? Because number one, they don't believe in Allah. How can you fear something you don't believe in? What I wanted to immediately say as a correction to what Andrew Tate was thinking is that the fear is not of Allah. It is a fear that people have of what those Muslims will do if their so-called God is disrespected. Or if anything is done against Muslim people in any kind of situation, in any instance. And why is it that people have this fear in the world? It's because of terrorists. It's because of those people that go around bombing people, blowing themselves up, destroying property, destroying people's lives, destroying all kinds of situations because of their so-called jihad, their so-called holy war, their so-called resistance against the West or whatever. So they want to make a point. Fear us. Fear us because we could show up anywhere. We could do it anytime, anywhere, any place, whatever, to any people. And now we've seen where, okay, it seems as though, and I may be wrong, but it seems as though all of these bombings and things like that that the Muslims were doing seemingly constantly has calmed down. Why? I don't know. To be honest, maybe it's calmed down. Maybe it's been um, uh, quenched by, you know, uh, or quashed by governments and things like that, agencies that are looking for them to do whatever they're trying to do and they're stopping it before it happens. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But here's the thing. We're seeing less and less of it. And um, and it's just, it's just waning away. But the point I wanted to make, this is the thing that I wanted to, because there's some things we're going to get into. We're going to get into scripture. We're going to read some things because I want to I wanna give Andrew Tate a response as if I was talking to him personally. 
and I'm going to make this sound like I'm talking to him. So I just need you to follow as if you were listening in on this conversation between me and Andrew Tate, because I really feel for Andrew. I think Andrew is a few years younger than me. I'm 50. So I think he's a few years younger than me. And um, but we're about the same age range, about the same age bracket, I think. So. One of the things that. Uh, I want to say, first of all, is Andrew. God is feared. But he's not feared in the same way that you're talking about. The Bible says the beginning uh the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And that word fear, it can be reverence and it could be other things as well. But the point is, is that there is a fear of the Lord. So, you know, I want you to be very clear on that. Because one thing that I used to say a lot in the past. I don't say it like I used to, but back in the day, I used to say that um, Jesus was not a punk, and he wasn't. He still isn't. He basically had a lot. He allowed certain things to happen to him to fulfill prophecy. You have to know the difference between allowing something and not being able to fight against it. Those are two very different scenarios. But the one thing that you need to know straight off the top is that fear, there is a fear of the Lord. There is also a fear of the fact of what the Lord can do. So Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, I'm gonna just read it from here. And there's a couple other verses I'm coming across that I want to read just to back my point. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's a, that's the first thing you need to know. Proverbs chapter one, verse 29 says, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So one of the things that we're seeing here is that there, there is a type of fear of the Lord, and we're going to get into what that really is. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil colon pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do i hate that's coming from the lord then he says counsel is mine and sound wisdom i am understanding i have strength so if i were to go before that so we could start we're going to start actually at Verse 11, that's Proverbs 8, chapter 8, verse 11, and I'm going down to 14. Verse 11 says, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, 
dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, colon, which is, I'm going, I'm sad, I'm adding which is because he's telling you what evil is. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. So we see that wisdom is associated with the fear of the Lord. But we also see the things that God hates and we see what is built with wisdom. So God puts wisdom alongside the fear of the Lord. In other words, if a person fears the Lord, they will also have wisdom because it is wise to fear the Lord. But when you're fearing the Lord, what does that mean? So we're going to go down to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. This is the one I brought up earlier. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Then it says, for by me, which is what? Wisdom. Your days shall be multiplied and the years of your life shall be increased. If you be wise, you shall be wise for yourself. But if you scorn it, if you scornest, thou scornest, you alone shall bear it. So in other words, if you scorn wisdom, then you're going to bear certain things. Certain things are going to be on you that you would not have had um, if you were wise. Now, I want to say this as I'm bringing this out, because there's a reason why I brought this to light, because one thing that Andrew Tate needs to understand, anybody else who's listening, of course, is that. God is not in the business of striking people down just because they disrespected him. Number one, God is love. So the one thing that I know for a fact that Muslims do not teach and they do not believe in, they do not uh, emphasize is Allah being loving. They talk about a whole lot of other things, but they don't talk about that. And the reason for that is, number one, because their God is different from the God that believers, Christians, as some of you say, uh, that we believe in. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe the Lord Jesus Christ was just a prophet. Now, what's interesting is that um, it, it appears that based on, you know, Andrew Tate being a fighter, he's one that's about justice and things like that that's part of his nature being that he's like that in his mind he thinks that if someone disrespects god god should strike them down but even when he was talking about allah and how things happen if someone was to disrespect allah all he said was a muslim might punch you in the face or something like that he he left it at that um, he didn't go any further. He just said, 
they'll punch you in the face or something like that. But in that situation, that's not Allah doing anything. That is a person that did it. So even in that, there was a flaw in your argument, Andrew Tate. There was a flaw in your argument because you were thinking that God is supposed to come and strike somebody down in so many words. That's the way you were talking. You're saying, you know, God would not allow himself to be disrespected. But yet you're talking about a person doing the work of punishment or whatever. You talked about a man punching somebody else. You did not say anything about Allah doing anything to anyone. So with that being said, I just want to say this, you know, it's very interesting that Andrew thought that, you know, um, if God is disrespected and he's saying the Christian God, which is the true and living God. And I want to make that very clear to you, Andrew, or anybody else listening to this. The only true and living God is Jesus the Christ, period. End of the sentence. There is no other God beside him. He said it out of his own mouth, and it is what it is. Anything else is an idol or a false God. It's a fake God. That means Allah is fake. Let me be very clear on that. Allah is fake. He's a fake God. He doesn't exist. Satan is behind Allah. Let me be very clear on this. So here's the thing. You know, one of the things that we have to do, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, that's why people like me are being raised up in this generation because we're not going to back down and bow down and say what people want us to say. We're not going to listen to what the masses are saying and and how they're trying to twist the words of God or trying to twist, you know, whatever they can twist to make everything that's dealing with what the real reality of truth is perverted. We're not going to allow people to pervert the truth. So having said that, my point is this. God is love. He said it in his word. He also has told us what love looks like. So I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read out of the scriptures what the Bible says love looks like. Now, I'm going to substitute some words because, you know, just to help people that are listening. Especially if you have a hard time understanding the King James Version of the Bible. So let me just clear this up by, you know, kind of speaking certain words in the modern language. I'm not going to be able to substitute all these words because I don't know what all of the modern language words would be for these things. But this is the general gist. This is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to start at verse 4. You know what? Maybe I'll start at verse 3. Because this is a thing that... um, I'm I'm addressing with Andrew Tate. I want him to hear something. In verse three, it says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. 
Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not vaunt it itself. Is not puffed up. In other words, is not prideful or arrogant. Does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own. Love is not easily provoked. Love does not think evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And I'm going to skip down and I'm going I'm to read something because I want them. I want you to hear it this way so you can put it together. Down to verse 11. No, verse 10, it says, but when that which is perfect is come. Now, first of all, the way that they wrote it here in the King James Version was not complete or correct in the sense of how it was translated. It was translated in a way where it doesn't sound like what it really is ultimately. And what I mean by that is this. This actually means the word where it says that which is perfect perfect here and i think it's that whole phrase it means perfect one it is a noun it is not a uh thing it is a noun it is a person it actually means perfect one in other words when the perfect one comes then that which is in part shall be done away so all those things that it was listing before that were in part. I didn't read that part because I'm trying to get to the point. The point that I'm trying to make is this. Because right after that it says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, what he was saying in all of this is that Anything opposite of what love is, is childish. It is immature. It is something that shows that you need to grow. It needs that you need to mature in the things of God, the true and living God. So having said that, I say this to everyone listening, but I specifically will say this to Andrew Tate, that God has a way of doing things and it's all through his love. I'm going to give you some examples that show that in the Bible to help you even more. But that is something that you needed to hear because that's setting the, the groundwork for what I'm about to say. You know, when Jesus had his disciples in training, some of them asked him, uh, why doesn't he call down lightning from heaven or something like that basically he was they were saying you know strike these people down that's doing what they do 
and Jesus had to correct them. And in so many words, he did the same thing later on. But the bottom line is he was trying to teach his disciples. It's not about me striking somebody down because of what they did or how they disrespect me or whatever. Now, I will say this, though, because there have been some incidences that have happened that have been caught on video, thankfully, that have showed where God did judge somebody right on the spot. So, Andrew Tate, if you are listening to this, I want you to go and look for these videos because there's some videos that came out. I don't know if they were only on TikTok or if they were on TikTok and YouTube or whatever. You can find them somewhere. But there were some videos of parades that have happened recently where there were the alphabet people were doing their thing, disrespecting Jesus Christ, and then stuff happened. In that moment when they did that, there was a judgment that happened right on the spot. I want you to go look for these parades so you can see that didn't have nothing to do with a man or a woman doing anything to interfere. That was God bringing an instant judgment, a quick, swift judgment on what they did. I want you to look that up, man. I don't know exactly where it is. I saw them myself with my own eyes, um, but I don't remember where I saw them. Like I said, I don't know if it was only on TikTok or if it was on some other place. I really don't remember, but I know that they're out there. So if you look for it, prayerfully, you'll be able to find it. Prayerfully, they haven't been deleted. But please go look for this. I want you to know that God has, he can come to his fill of even the disrespect that he has allowed. He will come to his fill of the 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 sin, the the abominations and things of that nature. They can come to a point of filling up the cup. There's a cup that comes to a place of being full and to that to that end there's wrath that's poured out. And I'm telling you right now for all that are listening there will come a day when the fullness of God's wrath will be poured out and it will be seen for everybody to see. And it will be no doubt that he's doing it because God does. There is an end even to his mercy when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, God does. There, there, there comes a point in time where it will be ended god will say yeah that's enough i'm not allowing any more there will come an end to it all but he's doing it in his way and his way is not to just strike somebody dead on the spot because they disrespected him number one because god knows everything that we don't know he knows the end from the beginning he knows a person's heart why they might even say or do what they say or do and he might, he will see that there's something that is from their childhood, some trauma, some kind of, some kind of um, thing that happened to them that really messed up their mind, messed up their heart, messed up their body, messed up a lot of things about them to cause them to respond the way they respond because they're really responding out of hurt. They're responding out of pain. They're responding out of misunderstanding. They're responding out of abandonment. 
And a lot of times when it comes to atheists, they feel like they were abandoned. They feel like they weren't hurt. They feel like God should have done something that he didn't do for them. Or they, they feel like, you know, it would have been justice for something to happen in a situation that did not happen. But that's their opinion. That is them thinking they are God and that they know better than him. So that basically comes down to arrogance. It is the type of arrogance that makes a person think they know better than the one that created them. That's like a car trying to tell me when I created the car what kind of fuel it needs to run on. I created you. I know what fuel you need. It's not water. It's gasoline. So the point I'm making is that there may be people that God would, he would definitely you know, judge them right on the spot. There are people like that. There are people that God would probably, you know, um, do something in their life or whatever that will cause them to be destroyed or whatever because of things that he knows they did or will do or whatever in the, in the future. Because God knows the end from the beginning, he knows the, the beginning and the last, the first and last, all that stuff. He knows all the in-between story that we don't know. That's what he bases his judgment on. Because God knows the end from the beginning. He knows if somebody that's an atheist today will become a believer tomorrow. He knows if a man named Saul will become a man named Paul because he got born again. And now he's no longer going to kill believers, but he's going to support them and build them up. And he's going to bring more into the kingdom of God. Many people would have thought Saul should have been killed before he became a believer. And he would have never became a believer because he would have been cut short. His life would have been cut short. There are many believers who were around in that time that thought that something should have happened to Saul before he became Paul. Paul even said, I'm the chiefest among sinners. I did this, this, and that. He understood how big of a deal it was for him to be born again, for him to be saved finally. He understood how powerful that was. And the thing is, is that everybody, God has given all of us a chance to change to become different, to live a different life. But it's really up to us if that's going to happen or not. That's something that a lot of people need to come to grips with. See, God, he loves us so much that he will allow us to go through those moments of disrespecting him and things like that to where we will say, okay, you get, you did that. And then later on, he'll, he'll know that, okay, you did disrespect me, but I already know that in a few days you're going to have a life changing experience. And then you're going to be full on with me. You're going to be in love with me. You're going to want to serve me with the rest of your life. All these kind of things. Because God knows those things in advance. 
That's why he gives people grace and mercy and forgiveness and all these kind of things. Essentially, Andrew and anybody who's listening, God loves you too much to allow your temporary disrespect to cause him to just strike you down. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's why he sent Jesus. So now I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 26, verse 47, starting there first. I want to show you something. It says, And while he yet spoke, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? In other words, why did you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, put up again your sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Do you think that I cannot now pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour, Jesus said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out against, come out as against a thief with swords and staves to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not lay hold on me. For all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Here's the thing again to understand what's going on. You got to realize Jesus came onto the planet for a purpose. And although he had the power to do a whole lot of different things, he did not do those things because he knew that would prevent him from fulfilling the purpose for which he was sent. Jesus had the bigger picture in mind when he did all the stuff that he did. And he said in himself, I cannot allow a situation like this to prevent me from fulfilling destiny. And although I could do this, I'm not going to do that. So one thing that we see in that is Jesus understood about having his power under control. He had self-control. Self-control is the name of the game when it comes to walking with the Lord. Self-control. Not out of control. Not in control until you don't feel like being in control. But self-control. And the reason why this is important to understand is because a lot of people, when they see how a believer will respond to a situation, they may call that person weak, soft, a coward, something like that. 
And for the right type of person, and I say the right kind of person because, oh my goodness, I know that uh, without self-control, those kind of people like myself um, would do, without Jesus, there were a lot of, there are a lot of things I would do. Someone called me a coward or whatever type of thing to show them that I'm not a coward, <laughs> but because I'm a believer, um, I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit, and I have self-control when it comes to a lot of things like that. So I would control myself, and you know, I've learned this over the years. It, it took a long time for me to learn it. It took years. Uh, I would say probably decades for me to learn this. For me to get to the point where I realized that, okay, your words are meant to make me do something I don't want to do. So I learned over time to not allow people's words to affect me in that way that they used to when I was younger. The point that I want to make to you all is this, that we have to know the difference between the way a believer responds to certain things versus the way a non-believer responds to certain things. So here's something else I want to read to you that's going to further, uh, you know, give you more information and understanding of how believers are supposed to be. This is for direct understanding for Andrew Tate and anybody else who misunderstands because you think that you're supposed to fight somebody over what they said about Jesus. That's not the way Jesus wants us to respond. Okay. Here it says in Matthew chapter five, verse 43, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans the same do the same thing? And if you salute your brothers only, what do you what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so be you therefore perfect even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now, last but not least, I just wanted to bring this out. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, this is what it says. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hates, no, no, whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? So what we see here in, in the overall theme that I want to keep on reiterating to those that are listening but I specifically want to, I'm saying this to Andrew Tate. 
what you need to realize is that the types of things that you are looking to happen that you think should be happening when someone disrespects God, disrespects Jesus, those kind of things, does all these disgusting things and and whatever they do. God even has a limit to that. And he has a way of addressing that, which will be thorough. Thorough enough for you to know it was him. He did this. And, you know, don't do it again, essentially. God has a way of doing that whenever he has the feels the need to do that. Again, we're talking about the one who created us. He knows when someone has gone too far. He also knows what's in their heart that caused them to do it. He also knows a whole lot of things that we don't know about the scenario or the situation. So because of that, there's a lot of things that God may quote unquote allow or, you know, um, not judge right away or not bring a harsh response to or whatever. And it's no different from, you know, um, you know, if you ever seen one of those movies where it's like the kid says, I hate you, I hate you. And he keeps on saying, I hate you until he realizes that the parent is showing love and just holding on to him and hugging him and saying, I'm here for you, son. I love you. I love you. Da, 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 you know, whatever. And then finally they stopped that. Because really what they wanted was to be shown love. They wanted to feel the love from their parent in that moment. And they got it. They received it. And so what we really are witnessing a lot of times in these situations where we thinking someone is showing all this disrespect and hate towards God and whatnot. It's really a cry for help. It's a cry for love. It's a cry for I want to get somebody's attention and it's interesting even how um, I believe Andrew Tate said it when he said what he said in this conf um, this uh, other interview that he did where um, he said it seems as though people no I think it was the same interview but he was saying it seems like they get worse and worse with their what they're doing to the point where it's like they just want a response from believers. They want a response. And my thing is this. That's no different than a child that has been cutting themselves to get attention. And really what it comes down to is they want to be seen. They want to be noticed. They want to be heard. But. They think the way to do it is by cutting themselves, that that's going to be the extreme thing that they can do that's going to make everybody finally wake up and finally notice what's going on with them and finally say, hey, what's going on? What happened? What can we do to help you? You know, that kind of thing. So essentially what we're seeing with, you know, these people that are doing these disrespectful things is that they think that is going unpunished and whatnot. And in the moment, it is unpunished. But the thing is, is that if they continue down that path and whatnot, and depending on the way that the Lord views that situation, like I said, it's all about him. 
<clears throat> him knowing what he is dealing with with that person and whatnot and what he's willing to put up with but if he sees that he's at a point where he's like yeah i'm not dealing with that anymore then he will deal with it accordingly if he if he sees that it's a situation where a person really needs to have him show up in a way that's like that's very loving and and whatnot and that he needs to show some type of a uh, grace in that situation and mercy, he'll do that. So the point I'm making is this, that none of us knows what God knows. So therefore, we can't make uh, certain types of assumptions or judgments about the way God is responding or not responding because we don't know why. We don't know what's going on in God's heart towards that person and out of his love as a father and as our creator. I will be honest with you. Um, there's a lot of people in the world that's hurting today and what they're doing, they're doing out of that hurt. They're doing it out of the pain and they don't know how else to do things. They don't know how else to respond. So that's the thing that, that's the reason why um, that's the thing that makes me wonder, like, you know, <clears throat> how much hurt and pain is in the world because so many people are doing things out of their hurt and pain and whatnot, and they're not doing it because that's really, really how they feel or what they really want. Their response is based on something that happened to them that damaged them in some kind of way. God is saying this. I love you. I'm not trying to destroy you. I'm not trying to send you to hell or cause you to have eternal torment or anything like that. He wants all to come to salvation. He wants all of us to come to that. But we have a choice that we have to make and he can't force us. Just like you were at a point where you thought you were going to be an atheist one time, Andrew, and then you changed from that to believing there has to be a God. Now it's time for you to realize who the true and living God is and to come on to that side. But not coming over thinking that he's supposed to punish somebody because they disrespected him or somebody's supposed to punch somebody in the face because they disrespected Jesus in front of them or something like that. Those people will get what they're going to get. It's not up to us to do it. The bottom line is this. God doesn't need any one of us to defend his honor in that sense uh, of fighting somebody physically. You can fight with, you know, prayer, fight with, you know, laws, stuff like that. There's no need to go to blows over somebody saying something about Jesus. No need for that at all. It will not accomplish anything, as a matter of fact. So with that being said, I, I pray that those that are listening, that you got a lot out of what was said today, that you are your mind has been shifted that you understand, okay, this is not how God does things. 
And I need to think differently when it comes to that. God has a way of dealing with situations as needed, but it's not going to always be the way we want it to be dealt with. But just know that people are not getting away with things. Because even if it wasn't until judgment day that they got the fullness of everything that they ever did while they were alive, it will be that they will get it eventually. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will open up the eyes of those that have been listening to this podcast to see your mercy and your love and your grace are the key things that they need to understand. That you are a loving God, you're a loving Father who wants to give mercy and grace to those that have been in this world that's full of sin. That your purpose is not to come to destroy them, but is to come to save them. Save them from themselves, save them from their pain and misery and things like that that they've been through based on Satan. And that you've come to give them life and life more abundantly. I thank you in advance, Lord God, that you will cause people like Andrew Tate to have their questions answered. That they will have their eyes open to who you are and to what you are about. So that they will no longer think that you are weak because you didn't bring a response to someone's ignorance. And that they will not equate weakness with your you not destroying them you not striking them down you not causing something bad to happen to these people but father i thank you that their eyes will be enlightened their heart will be open and that they will receive that same love that you try to give to all these people that's on the planet that they will receive that love in their heart and that they will change as a result in the name of Jesus, I pray and I thank you. Amen. Once again, you've been listening to New Numa Godcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, all those kind of things. You know where we are. You on Instagram, you on YouTube, you on Facebook, all those things. Just look up New Numa Godcast and you will find us. And uh, just follow us like that. You can also follow me at Norm the Professor. On Instagram, Norm the Professor. If you happen to be on Twitter, you can follow me there as well, Norm the Professor. And you can also find New Numa Godcast on there as well. Once again, thank you for listening to New Numa Godcast. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. Peace.